Hello and welcome to the Good Mood Podcast. My name is Dr. Tally Marcajani. I am a naturopathic doctor with a focus on mood, mental health, and hormones, and digestion, and everything. And this is episode 53, a conversation with an elder, Dr. Verna Hunt, naturopathic doctor, and David Miller, Dr. David Miller, ND who is the host of that naturopathic podcast, he's an elder-ish. He's like a middler, (laughs) middle-ager. So this is an episode that originally aired on that naturopathic podcast, the famous ND podcast with host Dr. David Miller ND, who is also known as the Gut Gangsta. He appeared in one of the episodes on this pod where we talk about the vagus nerve and how to, you know, do assessments with the hands for gut health. The TNP or TNP interviews NDs in our profession doing something a little different to give you, the listener, a sense of what it's like to work with us to go behind your normal blood tests or your multi-pharmacy prescriptions to tackle health in a holistic, integrative way that addresses the root cause of disease and acknowledges you, the individual, as the center of your healthcare team and your healthcare. That naturopathic podcast is doing something a little different right now, though, too. So Dave is working with Dr. Verna Hunt, ND, who is a bona fide elder of our profession with 42 years of practice under her belt or elastic pants to preserve some of the roots of our profession. So the two of them are doing a series, which you can check out, called the Elder Series. And then after that was finished, they started getting some NDs to get coached by Verna, to talk philosophy of the profession, to gain some wisdom. I think I was the first one to have the honor to be showcased. So it's not really them interviewing me. It's more me asking Verna for advice. And I once heard that true wisdom is gained at the age of 42. Well... Verna has 42 years of experience as an ND, so that's a whole batch of wisdom right there. We, the three of us, talk patient care and empowerment, how to help patients by teaching them to communicate with their bodies and to feel in control of their treatment plan. We talk philosophy. It gets pretty deep. And Dr. Verna shares her elder knowledge on these topics, giving examples of experiences she's had over the years. So I have a link in the show notes to that naturopathic podcast's Instagram page so you can listen to more episodes, including the one where I talk anxiety, taming the tiger, in one of the earlier episodes. And I really hope that you listen to them too. But without further ado, here's the episode. Okay, welcome to another uh, episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. Uh, We're going back to our old format a little bit today. We've got three of us on the line today. We got Dr. Talia. Talia, say your last name. I can't do it justice. What's your last name? Marcajani. Let's see. That's why I wouldn't even bother to say it. That was very easy. Marcajani. Marcajani. Good. and, And that is the voice of our elder. Dr. Verna Hunt, the OG DC ND. She's also with us today. So uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in. I'm pretty pumped to try out our old format again. So Talia, what are we going to talk about today? You're the good mood podcaster. So we stole you from your own podcast, but what do you want to talk about on this podcast? Well, we were going to talk about (laughs) grogginess apparently, but we then came up with a whole host of other topics such as patient empowerment. Yeah faith and trust in the healing process, Um, you know, how to take a case from where to start to how to transition when our initial recommendations aren't working or it's not going the way we expected. So these big zoomed out elder questions. Yeah. And we'll try and look at it from our perspectives as naturopaths, the practitioners, and also uh, maybe perspectives that patients give us uh, in return. So, I like the first. I like the first part that we we talked about, which is how to empower patients. So uh, maybe I'll I'll just say, Talia, what do you what do you have success with in empowering patients, and and that, and then we'll bring in Verna to sort of get the the elder view on the same thing. Empowering patients, yeah, this it's a is big a bit, one. It's a big one because there's something where 
there's, there's often at least in my model or with my patients, we're like based on insurance for, for a lot of my patients. And so there's often a time constraint and I'm trying well, to a resource constraint, right? So money, then time exactly. related to that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Money, time, resource constraints, better way of putting it. And so we're trying to work through a journey where I think ultimately I'm trying to help patients connect how they're feeling with their lifestyle or even just develop a greater awareness of what they feel like the classic, I never knew I had digestive issues or I thought everyone had that. And then you start to pay more attention, you start to notice what triggers them, what makes them feel better. And this sort of this lifelong process of being able to, you know, respond to your body and communicate with your body and feel embodied. And so it starts off sometimes in my practice with like supplements and basic dietary changes and stuff like that. And sometimes patients have a hard time just starting to follow that. And then I feel like we get stuck. I feel like we're at the bottom. Uh, who is it? I think it's James Holman, psychoanalyst, calls it like the Black Mountain in alchemy. It's one of the starting positions where you stand at the at the base of a giant towering mountain and you have no idea how to start ascending it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So actually, as I speak, I'm like, maybe, maybe the patient empowerment piece needs to come from my own personal empowerment. Well, you, you were saying too, I think when we brought up this empowerment thing with the patient connects their perspective with what you're seeing. That's another thing you said earlier. So what, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what I've noticed that's been helpful for getting an aha moment to light up in people's eyes, which I think puts them more in the driver's seat. You know, I think we're used to in, in the conventional model is to being in the passenger seat. Like you go in and you present the problem and then it's in 15 minutes, you get something to solve, to, you know, attempt to solve it with. And, and so what I'm trying to do to change that experience or to, to that, that's different, I think in ND medicine, naturopathic medicine is that we're like connecting, we're educating as we go. And so part of that is to, oh, okay, you have X, Y, and Z symptoms. And they, like many patients come in, and they say, I have all these things going on. I've got like 10 things going on. And I'm like, oh, I have, you have one thing or two mm-hmm. big things that I can see going on, but they're all connected in this way that no one's ever connected for you. So connecting those dots, often you get like a, a leaning forward energy, wide eyes, like, oh my gosh, my whole life makes sense. And that I feel is like really important when we can do that. That's really helpful mm-hmm. for people to feel like, okay, this person gets it. She knows what's going on. She has a solution, especially if they've been told over and over again that there's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And and often we're we're you know presenting the problem in that way or the case in that way because we have a, a solution or we know you know how to move forward. So being able to do that, you know, here's the symptoms of HPA access dysfunction or the what used to be called adrenal fatigue. Most people probably know it by that name, but. Um, you know, it's, it's morning grogginess, it's fatigue in the afternoon, it's tired and wired at night, it's waking in the middle of the night, and people are like, I have that, I have that, I have that. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, so that's where sort of c- connecting someone's individual experience with these more medical, physiological, biochemical, structural um, patterns mm-hmm. can help somebody feel more like, oh, I have have a framework. That's what psychiatry did really well. It's like, if you say you have depression or someone tells you you have depression, you have a a context for all your symptoms, a basket to put them all in. And Mm -hmm. you can, and you know, a lot of people feel relief at understanding what's going on. But I think that the relief is even greater if it's, um, if there's more, there's more um, holism tied to it. Like it's not, just like, oh, you have all this stuff. It's called depression. You're born with it. It's more like, oh, this is this is sometimes where these things come from. It's like chronic mm-hmm. stress a few years ago or, you know, estrogens from the environment or whatever it is. So we're talking about empowerment, but what's the, what's the, why, why do we want to empower patients in, in our practice? And then we're going to get Verna in. Yeah. Well, I mean, our health is our... Well, I don't know. I was going to say like our health is 
is is something that that should be within our power. Obviously, that's not 100% true, right? There's things that can happen outside of our power that pertain mm-hmm. to our health all the time. And maybe we, we actually, it, we can head into dangerous territory if we say that our health is purely our personal responsibility because shit happens. Can I say shit? Yeah, you can. Shit happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think that, uh, you know, we, we have like historically been very disempowered with health, right? Like mm. our health, our state of well-being is at the mercy of people who've been to school for slightly longer than we have, maybe have read a little bit different books than, than what we've read, right? And so we put that in someone else's hands and it can be really hard. You know, the patient is the one who knows the most about their own health. And the more that we can help empower them, to, you know, well, and this is the thing too, is doctor as teacher. So part of our doceri means to teach. So is, is Latin for to teach. So part of our responsibility as doctors, I think, is to actually teach people how to be healthier. And I don't think it, I don't think giving somebody a pill empowers them to be healthier. But if you explain to them what the pill's for, what it does, why it's helping, there's a little bit more power there, like yeah, what to expect. Rewind what that in a little bit. Exactly. And, yeah. and what to pay attention to, how to pay attention. And then other things you can do to surround the pill, some skills as well mm-hmm. as pills could be mm-hmm. also very helpful. Um, so that I think is healing. I don't know if you can heal without empowerment. Mm-hmm. You were talking about like a paternalistic, That that's what the Western model is very paternalistic, right? Like take this, mm-hmm. I'll fix you. Right. You know, by Papa knows sort of, best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Verna, there's a lot there's a lot to chew on there. What do you what what do you think in this talk of empowerment? What do you what do you hear in us uh saying that you think we could maybe get some clarification on? Well I talk to people about it's normal to be healthy and the disease care which we call healthcare, but is important. But long before we do disease care, we want to optimize what you have inherently uh, within you. So the first question I ask a new patient is, if we were having a conversation three years from now, what are the things that you would want to see improved, changed, or different in your life for you to be happy with your progress? And that's a question that Dan Sullivan created. He's a man you can look up, but he's not a, a healthcare practitioner. He, he coaches uh, entrepreneurs. But what are the things that you want to see changed? And sometimes it's hard for them to answer that. And sometimes they say, well, oh, I, you know, I'd like to have $10 million. You know, not that kind of thing. And I said, well, no, really, what do you want? And... Um, And they say, you know, I've had headaches since I've been 10 and uh, I have them at least two a week and, and I even vomit. They're so bad. I said, well, that's a really good goal. Like I want to know what they want. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Some people can be a weight issue, but other people who we might perceive have a weight issue. That isn't it at all. They want to be fit and healthy so they can be for there for their children or grandchildren. Other people, um, uh, want to have enough energy, all the things that they've already put on their sheet. But I am, I'm asking them what it is that they want. And that's an important interaction. And I'll do things by acknowledging like active listening. I say, by, by that, do you mean blah, 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 worded a different way. Over the years, I've worked a lot with teenage boys. And um, they're not big talkers with a female practitioner. So... Sometimes I, I say, so by that, do you mean, and I word the question that probably bang on precisely gets to the heart of the issue in a very calm, neutral voice. I said, you know, probably what you're wondering about is, especially when it comes to the reproductive system or I had a person in and there was some acne. I said, well, you know, when boys are your age, their their hormones, their testosterone is like going from zero to 100, you know, it's like just pumping out. And then your body has to break that down. And when it can't do all of that, you get this cystic acne. And that's just a drag, right? Because 
you don't want to be having that. And they go, yeah. So I ask them questions they can say yes to. And that, that works, that works very well. Um, but people who aren't used to having a dialogue with a doctor or English isn't their first language and they have a translator with them and so on and so on. Making it easy to answer basically. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Dali, do you, do you, do you uh, use that kind of talk with people when you're, when you're having your, uh, you know, first appointments or whatever with them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think active listening has come naturally to me like well maybe I've been just actively practicing it um sometimes it's hard for me to find the right words that I know so I'll sometimes have an impression of what I'm sensing and I don't exactly know how to word it to definitely get a yes um or how to word it in a way that's softer and calmer mm -hmm. you know so it may be like for example so persons comes back and I recommended four things and they did two and, and I want to ask, why did you only do two, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, which is not an active listening question, but I um, you know, so like, okay, I'm thinking, you know, okay, maybe I'm wondering if the reason that you only took two things is that you're feeling very overwhelmed or you're not, yeah. you're, you're insecure or you're, um, you're unsure about one of these supplements because you've never heard of it before. And yeah, I think though, yeah, I think that works well. I think though it's, it's, it's work, right? Like you have to, rem you have to be able to do a bit of mind reading or at least you, you do, you have to, you have to think what age is this person? What gender is this person? Mm -hmm. And that's in the last 10, 15 years gotten much more complex. Mm -hmm. um, and how to talk in the right language if if you've got a transgender young teen mm -hmm. and all of those mm. things. It's a real it's a little learning curve. And um and I think that uh the other thing I talk about is, you know. Everything in the body is related to everything. So have you ever been bare feet in the house and a tack is on the floor with the sticky thing up and you step on it? Did you ever notice how your whole body jumps faster than nerves can move? Like, it's not like, oh, your toe lifts up. Like, you jump, we jump, right? Mm -hmm. And so what is it about the body that it knows there's some danger going on and the whole, you, you jump, even people who never jump, jump. I said, what is that? That's the body. That's how amazing the body. And I, and I say that, you know, we think we know a lot the body about the body and we know a lot more, but the body's the temple we live in. One of my elder clients years ago said, I don't put junk in my body because yeah. it's where I live. It's like, you could use all kinds of examples, you know, don't poop where you eat, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> all those things. But, but the body for example, do you ever cut your finger? People go, yeah, of course, everybody cuts their finger. And do you worry about if it's going to heal? No. But I said, but some people are slow healers. Like, how does the body know to do that? Like, look how smart your body is. And for women who are very doubting and have had babies, your body made a baby. Like, if, you, if our intellect was in charge of that, you know, people, I said, you know, I don't heal you. You heal you. Oh, well, no, you heal me. I said, if I was in, I'm repeating myself, but if I was in charge of your hair and toenails, you'd look ridiculous. Look at me. I can hardly keep my hair combed, you know? So I just, I just talk about the humanity of living in a body. Well, but, but Verna, can you bring it back to just empowerment for a second? Cause I, what I, I liked what um, the, the path we're going down was that maybe, well, is there an idea of having too much empowerment? Like say someone, not too much empowerment, but like giving someone too much. Is that still in the empowerment discussion? Because some people are in a position. give them too many supplements or too much what? Too too much something to do too much. Oh, Just, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we're talking about empowering, right? That, yes. that's, we're trying to talk yeah. about empowerment. Don't set and, them up to fail. Don't set, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, don't so set that's, them up to fail. Don't give them 20 things to do. Would you do 20 things? Not me. I, I lose my way. You know, mm -hmm. like 
What is it that's the priority? You want to build the body and drain the body, build the body and drain the body, build the body and drain the body. And wherever they're at, and mostly when we see people, there's some stasis, some stuckness, some um, swampiness is my word. How do you begin on that? And I tell them, you know, you need to build, but you also need to get the debris out of the way. And uh, so debris happens on a cellular level. And we have trillions of cells. Like, how do you how do you begin that? Sometimes it's you know, chew your food, drink your water, but sometimes it's having them make a tea, the ritual of making their own red clover tea. Could I give them some red clover drops? I could. But for certain people that really will do an uptake on the participation and I made my tea every other day or once a week or every day, like you said, and that was just a nice time to sit down and breathe, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so the empowerment is really, really, really important. And the other thing, especially now compared to 30 or 40 years ago, is that people want the magic bullet. They want the one thing that you can do and, and that. You, ha- you have to talk about it in a way that's meaningful to them. I talk in story a lot, but depends on who I'm talking to, what the story is. Yeah, yeah. Personality. But but um, uh, the, the whole body is very synergistic, like the tax story or, or whatever. There is a synergy there that happens. And uh, there's so much we don't even know about that. So we want to say... You know, really listen to your body. Or they'll tell me about a pain. I say, can we go over that headache pain again? I just want to really make sure I got it. And they like that because they know I'm listening. But yeah, yeah. And that I'm human enough to know maybe I didn't get it. I say, can you tell me that again? Or I might say, can you tell me that again in a different way? And usually they'll come up with a more of a story, you know, about that and by what they tell me i'll go oh that's i said that is it a squeezing headache an exploding headache a hangovery headache a squirrely headache you know so you're trying to really understand them like right it sounds it sounds like communication and then under you them knowing that you are hearing them is key to empowerment is that Mm -hmm. sort of i mean i oversimplify things this is my thing that's fine but but is that yeah. is that sort of makes yeah. sense to you, Talia, yeah. too? Yeah, yeah. It's reminding me of this, like attunement. Is if somebody feels like you're really deeply listening to them and trying to get them, I mean, imagine we're having a conversation. You're really like trying to get me. It means every word I say has meaning, has power, and you know everything I say re- um, results in a response from you or an impression on you. I I automatically experience myself as having more power. It's almost just this modeling of the dynamic for the That's person. Right. So when I'm doing a new patient intake and people can have horrendous histories, as you know, and, and I'll just say things like, that must have been a really difficult time. And they'll go, yeah, it was really difficult. We don't necessarily get right into it. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, oh, I, I, I heard that. That's well, that's really something, mm-hmm. you know. And so, just statements like that, um, or what was the hardest part of that whole ordeal? And you can't predict the answer to that, but it is mm-hmm. a good question, mm-hmm. and it's really good because it wasn't that their leg was half amputated and got sewed back on, and it's not all that. It might have been I wasn't at home. I couldn't have my friends or parents come to see me. Uh, I felt all alone in it, and 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 I didn't speak the language of the doctors. You know, like whatever it was. Or or um, I had a client in her forties, a woman of color, who was um, doing PhD. Anyway, she had these gastrointestinal symptoms. And she'd been working on it for years. And so I listened. She'd seen this GI specialist and so on. I said, well, just lay down on your back. I want to feel your belly. And um, I'm really into bellies, as is David. <laughs> and, uh, I, and, and she was, the tears were coming down her face. I said, am I hurting you? She said, no, I've been working at this for years, but you're the first person that's touched me. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing that I hope we're not losing in naturopathic medicine is touch. Mm-hmm. It's very, very important. It's not being helped by the current environment, though, Verna. I, I have to say, like, um, I, I'm pretty 
staunch in my uh, steadfast in the fact that uh, we need to continue to touch as much as possible. But it's it's getting very difficult. Um, you know, even even our college is dissuading in person visits and everything like that. So I, I have a lot of uh, sympathy or empathy. I I don't know what's the right word for you. You gave me a <laughs> you gave me a, some instructions on uh, sympathy and empathy difference once, but. Um, I feel for the practitioners who are being uh, dis- dissuaded from touching people. And that's that's a reaction to our environment that we're in, yes. unfortunately. Yes. Well, when I read the directions to us from our licensing body that do as much telehealth as possible, well, part of my, one of my modalities is touch. So that's not possible when that's the modality I need to use. And I yeah. do all the... So COVID things we need to do. Um, But I would say to the practitioner, young practitioner, that's really getting into just telehealth. I don't think that's wrong, but I'm saying, are you a patient yourself? Who is your naturopathic doctor? Are they touching you? Get touched Mm -hmm. and do your own, do your own work because you cannot take a patient evolving if you've never worked on yourself. You have to do your own work. So, so Talia, one of the other questions uh, or things we were going to talk about is where is where do I start with with a case? And uh, we'll try and make this informative for patients too. But what are you thinking when you have a new when you have a new person come, uh, new patient comes to visit you? What do you what are you thinking in terms of like where to start? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I heard Verna say build and drain, so I hope we get to that because it didn't. I didn't hear it, so I know you were told not to repeat yourself too much, but. <laughs> <laughs> But I didn't hear it in our in the the uh, episodes I listened to. So repeat repetition is the soul of understanding. Dave, you don't know the difference between sympathy and empathy. You need printer to repeat it. I know, I know. <laughs> well, I do know the difference, but on the on the on the you know on the fly like this, I I quickly forgot. But anyway, where where do we where do you start with your patients, and where do you do well, and where do you struggle? Yeah. So okay. So where I start is the intake. Because I don't, I don't know, like I have questions, even when someone sort of like calls you up and they start telling a little bit of the case, like a, a meet and greet kind of thing. I'm always like, okay, there's like 15 questions. I can't, I can't. Okay. Um, so yeah, I have a lot. I usually have a lot of questions, like just generally, which is good because I think part of our training is like learning what questions you're supposed to want to have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Verna says so, it's your best things, lis- like listening and questions. So. And questions. So, I'll, I'll, yeah, I ask the questions. Usually, like, a big – I take a lot of notes, too, and because I, I can't trust my memory these days. And so, a lot of questions on their chief concern. A lot of, like, I guess I'm looking for a sense of it. I'm looking for um, – I'm looking for things to make sense in not so – maybe an intellectual way, but in a in a – bigger picture way like mm-hmm. you know okay so you have a rash okay so what so kind of in my head okay what kind of rashes are there that are likely but then what's the vibe I'm getting like what's the you know is it how's their gut how's their sleep is mm-hmm. are they sort of autoimmune are they allergic kind of histamine person um what other things are going on you know and so I'm asking lots of questions in that way. And then also based on different categories, even if those things aren't seeming apparent. So like digestion, sleep, energy, mood, looking at foods. And I'm just asking questions at first, I think. Then I, a couple years ago, I, I would, I would sort of recommend things first visit. And sometimes I do maybe a tweak of what they're taking already. Maybe one thing. Sometimes I'm just curious if something will get a response Mm-hmm. Um, like a case I just did, I just had an intake, um, earlier today and I had some experiments for her. You know, I wanted to see if something was fungal. It's like, go to the <laughs> grocery store, get a fungal cream, put it on. Let's see how that goes. So just like small things like that. Um, but, and, but where I then go next is I sit with their case and I try and, f- okay, what's the, what's the impression I'm getting, um, and what are the least amount of things they would need to do? This is what my brain does. Yes. No, keep going. Finish that. That's yes. Feel a difference and feel yes. better. So it's really, yeah. Like the, this idea of like real estate, like if I could do five herb supplements, you know, okay. Vitamin D fish oil, like magnesium, right. I got two left, you know, <laughs> so, and then, um, 
And then, you know, food, a lot of people want to comment on food. So they'll ask like, what should I eat? What should I? Like everyone wants to know. Mm-hmm. Great. Cause you have uh, the person's attention. So I will often just pick one thing that I'm looking at diet diary too. I'm picking one big thing that will have an impact with their food to concentrate on. That's usually where I go. So it's usually those things. And then if there's a big screaming, like, you know, a sleep hygiene piece or a movement thing or uh, a kind of meditation that would help like something else that I might add that that's usually a plan. I mean, sometimes though, I'm like, is that going to be enough? Like that's also going through my head. I'm like, I really want them to feel better, but I don't know. Well, you want some traction. You You want some traction. Yeah. You want some traction, but what if someone, I'm just going to, I was, I was trying to get this out of you. What if the same person comes in and they, you know, they eat really well, they, they move, they either do do yoga, they work out, whatever. Um, they sleep well. They have a you know healthy home re- relationship with their spouse, kids, blah blah blah. Like their job. There's that person comes in with a rash, and then someone else comes in with a rash, and like they don't sleep, they eat absolute crap, they uh, don't move. They, you know what I mean? So it's I was I was getting trying to pull you into like what do you do for foundational, fundamental stuff when when it's really, really missing and they, they want some like lofty or specific intervention because the, the model of care that we're used to is like some take this for that. Um, how do you treat those people differently? Like, do you, do you find that people are open to the basic foundational stuff or do you have to blind them with science right, right off the get-go? I think that with... I think that I still, to be honest, I'm like trying to, I'm trying to think of like concrete examples. I think I still approach it similarly because the person who has a lot of foundational things to shift. So I I have this sort of image in my head of a pyramid. It's not exactly our therapeutic order pyramid, but at the base are our foundations in the middle are our deficiency excess, mm-hmm. right? Like if you haven't slept in like 10 years properly, then there's a major or even better, like let's say you haven't had leafy greens for 10 years, mm-hmm. likely a full magnesium deficiency now that adding leafy greens is going to be a bit slow to reverse, mm-hmm. especially if there's ex- extra need, um, you know, maybe soil quality, et cetera. And then at the top of that, I would say these, these vicious cycles that occur when an imbalance. So this is more like the chronic disease type Uh, or chronic hormonal, chronic imbalance state where, you know, a heavy period creates iron deficiency, but the iron deficiency contributes back on the heavy period. That's like a very simple wheel, but there's a Mm -hmm. lot of these wheels that, that, that are like auto perpetuating that I find when that thing's in motion, sometimes just with the foundations, they might not be enough or might be too overwhelming. I just finished running a six week program with coaching for foundations for mental health. And when I was putting it together, sorry, this is a big aside. When I was putting it together, I was like, this is not that much. Like people aren't really going to mm-hmm. experience transformation. They know all these things. And the major piece of feedback I got after we finished was I felt so overwhelmed by all the things I had to do. And this was with twice weekly coaching with six weeks. We were like communicating almost daily via Facebook group, all their questions answered. And it was really the expectation that I thought I set was, bite off one piece at a time. Don't feel bad if you're not doing everything. If you're moving, if you, all you know is that protein in the morning is a good thing, that's, you've come away with from this, you know, better. Yeah. So even then that feeling of overwhelm was there. So I think the person that's having like, you know, Doritos is their main vegetable. I would still probably start with just one lifestyle, at least dietary thing with them still. Mm-hmm. And, and a couple of supplements because, Maybe not always, but I think that sometimes when that person's in more of that chronic disease state, certainly an herb usually is helpful there. Um, but but something to restore a deficiency or remove an excess may be helpful for for getting some buy-in and traction. But this is also I'm curious to hear what Verna says because yeah, what do you think, Verna? Yeah. What was the question? <laughs> I was so like uh, basically. Listening. Where do we where do we start with okay? Oh, so, and then I brought up that right. sort of thing. You have that you have that uh, idea of I have to address foundational 
uh, things. I have to address mm -hmm. really basic stuff that this particular person is either deficient or excessive in, mm -hmm. and I have to get traction. So it's it's a lot of like goals to juggle. What at the does beginning. I have to get traction mean to you, David? Uh, I want for the person um, to to get some sort of meaningful or tangible uh, result from their investment of time and energy in what they're doing. Okay. I'm just not used to that phrase, so I needed to understand what it meant. Um, uh, I just need a minute to think about this because I was taking in what Tally was saying. I think it's basically, I would, it was where do we start was the question. Yeah. <laughs> well, I start by explaining to the patient what I person, client, what I see. So why do we get rashes? That's what I would say. Why do we get rashes? Do you just have a bad body? No. So your heart is beating. Things are happening. So there are five ways to excrete things out of the body. And one is through the skin. It's a tough way to go. It's telling you something. It's irritated. It's trying to get something out. And just, you just use very practical words. And when we're forming in our mother's stomachs, the skin and the nervous system are from the same layer in the embryonic tissue. So why is the skin doing that? And then where is it on the body? Is it on the shins? Is it in the armpits? Is it in your scalp? What does that mean? So there, so I tell them what those things can mean. So I say, you know, the skin, all our cells have a membrane and the skin is really special because it is tight gap junctions. This is what I do. I show them tight gap junctions. And if you get leaky, leaky gut, leaky brain, leaky skin, like you don't want the, your plasma, your blood to ooze out through your skin. It'd be pretty inconvenient. And that's why I talk. I use those kind of little funny things. I said, so what cell membranes are made of, of is protein and oils and my Dorito corn chip. And if your oil comes from Doritos corn chip, so you're in big trouble. You know, and so I talk about oils, like why is the body pushing out? Is it deficient in zinc? There's a, some really stent vitamin A. Um, are they doing skin brushing? And, and why is the body uh, choosing this way? Because skin is really a tough way to get something out. Um, barfing and pooping is <laughs> much faster. So I have an itchy nose. So, um, so I, I talk to them about, I, I let them see what I'm thinking. I don't pronounce an answer. And if they've had skin rashes on and off, you know, they're 35 and they've had them since they were five or two. This is a long thing that's happening. So, you know, I said, you know, the longer you've had it, the less quickly it will usually resolve. And skin is one of the last things that don't resolve as easily. So I, so I tell them about whatever it is they're doing and how, how the physiology of the body works. And, and so I would say. And in I doing say, so, Vern, it sounds like you're setting up expectations, which, which is very helpful at the beginning, right? Because mm -hmm. if the, if the person knows, okay, she's telling me about the skin, sort of like the lot, it's, it's one of the last things to sort of, not one of the last things, but it takes a, it takes a while uh, before mm -hmm. it sort of manifests, there's something else going on that, that makes me think mm -hmm. as a patient, maybe, oh, this mm -hmm. might take a little bit longer. And then, you know, at the beginning, and I think that's right. good. Right. And mm -hmm. then I, I say, there may be something you need, like a good oils or zinc or digestible protein for that person. Um, and I, I'm not about to change a vegan to a, you know, all meat eater. I don't, you'll just set them up to fail and probably never come back to see you because you've just dissed their way of life. You know, it's not mm -hmm. useful. And, um, and I, and I tell them that these supplements and homeopathics, I use a lot of homeopathics, drainage remedies work together. And then I explain homeopathy to them. David and I've just had two podcasts about that recently. Um, so we won't go into that right now, but <clears throat> So I'm trying to, I said, I tell, and then I tell them what my job is. My job is not to cure you because I can't do that. That your body knows what to do. If we can get it all communicating well with each other and if it's not overloaded or it's not deficient. It's sometimes like the plants in my house go, 
You know, because, mm-hmm. oh, oh, by the way, my plants are screaming at me. Uh, or you watered me too much. I'm in swamp now. Like, and I use those kinds of things because it's a sensory Im- image. They, they get it right away. I don't want them to have to intellectually struggle with the concept I'm trying to tell them. You know, it's okay. Uh, wait, you said you don't want to cure them. And I, mm-hmm. I, I know what you're saying there, but also at the same time, we want them to have. What do you yeah. look if you're not looking I to wasn't cure them? Finished. I wasn't finished. <laughs> can I go on? You can. Okay. <laughs> so my job is to accompany you on your journey and be a guide and do all the things. But the thing that really is at the heart of this is your participation. Even if if you can really think about that it is normal for you to be healthy and your body knows what to do. It can heal cuts, it can grow hair, grows teeth when you're little, does all of these things. And when I work with children, I say, wow, look at that. Your body is so smart. It knew how to heal that leg that broke or whatever it was. And I'd say, you're doing a really good job. And to adults, I say that in a more more adult way. But I, I say to people who are really struggling, I say, you are a very brave person. And you're doing, you're doing a really good job. Because they need, to, and they know I sincerely mean that. You know, are mm-hmm. they still living on Twinkies and Coca-Cola? Maybe but they're drinking water. Okay. Mm -hmm. We've made some progress. So it's to have them have habits that will be lifelong habits of good lifestyle and to encourage them and, and to help them say, okay, this is where we are now on this journey. See, this is happening. The rash is going away. Uh, You know, it's 80% gone. And, um, and then the first 80% is always easy. The last twenty percent is always hard. Yeah, in anything in life, it doesn't matter. A lot of diminishing doing. returns. It happens yeah. in a lot of yeah. things. Yeah. So I said. So now, <clears throat> I think we should do a hair analysis or um, uh, something that I'm looking for heavy metals, toxins. I'm looking for things like that. So I don't. In the ideal world, I would have a hair analysis right up front. But in the last ten years, everybody is um, wants the magic bullet, and so. We, we come right in on a problem. And for some people, that's okay. But for other people, the reason they have this layer and this layer and this layer and this layer is they've been constipated their whole life, you know. Okay. Verna, let me come in right now because this ties in a lot of what we've already talked about because you're encouraging and you're empowering in this approach. However, I'll bring it back to what we sort of started with. And, and Tali, you said, you know, towards the beginning of this, we're, we're dealing in a lot of cases um, with maybe... Uh, less resources than we may need to do what what the kind of work that Verna is doing because I'm saying what Verna uh, it's implied here I think what Verna is doing is great because um, because well she is great but it's that's not this is not what this is about it's about sometimes it takes time and there's layers and I'm going to throw it back to you Talia what if 500 bucks insurance coverage isn't enough to do the kind of deep work that Verna is kind of getting at here yeah. What if it isn't? Well, I think it isn't. Is kind of what I'm. Is kind oh, of what I'm saying. Can I say something? Yeah. And th- yeah. I think that you can give them feasible, achievable habits to to um pro- to uh, en- engage, like how to do this, do this, do this, do this. But don't give them twenty. Give them three, chew your food, drink your water. I know I go back to these, but, you know, how you do that and how you check in with yourself and how you don't teach them not to blame themselves, you know, especially during the times we're living through right now. It's very difficult time. And and so you give them something and then they'll come and see me maybe three times a year. Maybe at first we'll do the three, but then the next year we'll go space them out. Like almost every time the season changes or something like that. We'll have the next project and the next project and do these things and give them maybe herbal teas they can make themselves or um, grow sprouts, you know, mm-hmm. you know, all of, all of these kinds of things that will change their life. So, so I think so, they can spread it. Yeah. So Tally, I'll bring, I'll bring it back and just say, um, what would you do differently maybe uh, if you thought, okay, I, don't, I have more freedom. Uh, the person has more resources. They have more time. They have more energy. They have more money or whatever. Would you do? Would you look at things differently? That's kind of a a fun sort of way to look at it. 
if the person was going to come see me weekly for like six months. Or whatever you think would be, you know, because some people, I, I do think they might need more than mm-hmm. sometimes what they actually or perceive to have available in terms of resources. So, Because I think sometimes too, because I'm listening to Verna and I'm thinking, sometimes I think it's an, it's just an angle thing. Like even just, oh yeah, a rash is the body expelling something. Mm-hmm. You know, the patient I'm thinking of is vegan vitamin A, zinc, easy, you know, but I don't know. I wasn't framing it that way in my head. I was like, you know, just sometimes just different like perspective is helpful, mm-hmm. but I'm still, I still have this like desire to zero in. <laughs> so that's like, I'm always kind of trying to zero in sometimes too. I wonder if there's even layers to case taking that could emerge with more visits. So the, the getting to the bottom of it, and often there's counseling that's required, but I don't. So I'll get a lot of impression about what possibly is going on. What's possibly an obstacle to being able to invoke even the first lifestyle change or something meaningful that's, that's actually shifting their state. And I'm like, I'm getting a sense of what could be going on, but it's, you know, I, I don't feel like I can zero in on that right now without more trust between us, more, more therapeutic relationship, more rapport. Um, Which requires some time, right? Which is a, yeah. again, another resource I'm, I'm talking about. Sometimes it takes more time. Yeah. Sometimes there's a trial and error thing, which a lot of people, you know, are don't like with NDs, but I find like, I mean, in my experience, my personal health journey has been a lot of trial and error and Mm -hmm. no practitioner, practitioner could have guided me by, again, providing a fresh perspective, but I still would have needed to, like, I always tell the story, like when I was in school, I had all these issues, like digestive stuff, fatigue, brain fog, puffy, everything was a big swamp. And I was eating a big bucket of pasta every day for lunch. I was living with my nonna, my Italian grandmother, and I never considered really that anything about gluten. It wasn't even a frame that I was aware of. And then we're hearing about it. We're hearing about IBS. We're hearing about leaky gut. And I'm sitting there with my pasta like, (laughs) I don't have a problem (laughs) Mm -hmm. for three years. I was like, I had no problem. No, it's it's just people are too orthorexic about their food. This is literally what I thought. So, but then I took it out. Okay, obviously felt better. And then I put it back in again, felt a little bit worse, took it out again, better, worse, better, until I convinced myself. Mm -hmm. It took years. So, you know, yeah, I, yeah, if I had more time, I mean, sometimes I, you see a patient and you're like, oh, we just need a half hour visit. Just, you're doing yeah. good. There's nothing else. But with others, I'm like, I need to come move in with you for a bit <laughs> and find out what's really going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. Cause sometimes we don't, you don't hit out the park every time, but I think if you're, if you're patient and have the, I think an approach similar to what Verna is talking about and you talk about things and, and uh, set the expectations, right. It, um, you're still going to run in times where you need to pivot. And I think that's maybe a good transition to what, one of the topics we're going to, we're going to talk about, which was um, how do we maintain moment, momentum or pivot if, if our first sort of strategies uh, were wrong, let's say, but I just mean like they weren't getting, um, we weren't moving in the right direction as much as both parties would like. Verna, what do you have to say about that? Like, what do we, oh. when do you, well, have you ever been wrong? Absolutely. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, which means a lot, but like when, when do you, how do you, um, so say you're going a certain direction with someone, See, so might, this might not uh, apply to your particular style, but Let's. I'll throw it at you anyways. How do you know when you need to sort of make a little pivot or or change the direction of things with your patients? I'll give you an extreme example. Sure. I use under homeopathic drainage remedies. I just wanted free. And eighty uh, percent of people like them, and twenty percent don't. Big surprise, eh? Mm-hmm. So one day, this person who I know who is a client also came in and uh, threw the under number bottles at me. She says, these didn't do anything. I said, 
I think they've done something. She goes, what? I said, you're angry. <laughs> so let's talk about this. There may be, what, 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 you, what do you mean by this? Uh, you know, in like beat poetry, you like do the snap. So it doesn't interrupt, which I just did. I don't know what, like I don't clapping. even understand why you did that. It's like my clapping. I'm clapping. Oh, I see. No yeah. idea. Yeah. <laughs> Different world. She likes um, what you're throwing down. She likes what you're throwing down. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is so, a validation so, of truth. So, so I said, um, she said, I just don't, I just don't like this homeopathic stuff. I said, well, then that's, you live in there. I don't live in there. You live in your body. We won't use homeopathy. I just change. I just change on the dime. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, let's figure out something else. Oh, they also might not like swallowing pills. You know, this can get. They also might like alcohol taste in in um, in uh, herbal tinctures. Mm-hmm. So we might go to tea, or we might go to what you know to whatever. When I was uh, a young chiropractor, and I was a good adjuster, I'm a better adjuster now. But people are terrified of getting their neck adjusted. I said no problem. I learned osteopathy and counter strain, and I have an activator, a little quicker thing. I have all these things. People say I don't like that done to my body. I go. Not a problem. I'll figure out another something way. Else. Yeah. I'll figure out another way. Um, so sometimes it could be essential oils. They go, this is it. I go, great. Let's figure this out. And I just go learn more about whatever I need to learn. So I just, you know, you know, what I've had people get take four different supplements. They leave, they come back, and I can't swallow this one. I said, Oh, is it too big? Or they go. I don't know. I get it near my mouth and my head backs up. I go, let's trust that. I just, I just empower their knowingness. At first, when I encountered that, though, I thought this person's daft, but they weren't. They weren't because they live, they live there with all of their complexities and, you know, disassociations and ex- excellent characteristics. But that is their milieu and they live in there and you, you have to listen to them. When they're throwing homeopathic remedies, <laughs> so how, how do you maintain their faith though when when that's happened? So we, we say, okay, you because know to... I'm willing to follow them. I'm yeah. willing to say I'm willing to turn the corner. Yeah. I'll say I'll figure this out, and if I can't figure it out, I'll find somebody who'll help you figure this out. Yeah. So I refer people to all kinds of things all the time. Yeah. Because you know, I, I don't know everything. Yeah, you know, I, I teenage boys back with that back with the acne, but I send them off with facials, and they're like going, "Really?" I said, "Well, if you want the scar tissue left there, fine." Oh no! So they go off and get a facial for a specific person, and they come back and they go, "That's the most painful thing that's ever happened to me." <laughs> so, well, it's a really good thing you're not going to have babies then. <laughs> like you know, but they have beautiful faces after that. We get that all cleaned up. So I, I just turn corners with them. Or they say, I'm I'm frightened to do X, Y, Z. I'm frightened or or, the, or they're hesitant. I said, then we need to listen to that. We need to listen to that you're hesitant. You have an instinctual feeling about this. Either it's too much, too fast, too slow, too big, too mm-hmm. small. Just listen and change it. So it's good to have a good, uh, like a, uh, an array of tools that you yourself can sort of, or perspectives you can take. And then also probably good to have a good referral base. Like Talia, do you find yourself referring out more as you uh, grow into practice a little bit more or what do you, what's been your experience with having tools and referral network? Mm-hmm. Yeah. to psychotherapists, pelvic floor physios, body mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like a, and even, um, Certain MDs, a lot of people don't have an MD. So I, I keep a running list of MDs that patients have just offhand mentioned they liked. Mm-hmm. I can point people in a direction of someone that I actually, I don't know those MDs. So I don't, I've never worked with them personally, but it's just like list of patients that have had a good experience with certain practitioners, um, psychiatrists. So, yeah. And I think, what was I going to say that? Yeah. Okay. So what you said, Vern, about listening i had a case where the person who took the like you know a couple of the supplements that i recommended and in my, my perception was there's a lot that that needs to shift you know and and 
also my perception was I don't think this is enough what what she is taking but she had a really strong feeling about one of the supplements that I was like you know and so yeah I was like okay well you know don't okay yeah you have a strong feeling doesn't make sense to me let's just leave it to the side for now and we stuck with the two things that she felt comfortable with and and a homeopathic to move some mental emotional stuff but i'm wondering if you with that would add something else or just leave it with those two things you know well i use a lot of flower remedies of there's some from canada some from the uk some from texas I have lots of different ones and i and i test for those um and people in general really liked the softness and the accompaniment that flower remedies use. So I often add that, and I also only charge $5 for them. I just, and I plainly talk about that. I said, why don't you try this too? It's only five bucks, you know. They go, okay. And then there's a little reading I copy out for them, and they read it. And I, I say, does that mean anything to you? Because sometimes I read it, and I think, this can't be right. And they read it, and they go, yeah, I really relate to that. I go, great, great. Yeah, so, and um, uh, if um, I think I was trying to think when I would insist on something, it might be a probiotic, mm. or it might be something immune like vitamin C or mm. something pretty ba basic. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also recommend ginger root tea a lot. So, you know, just. So people can do things for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then speaking of doing things for yourself, what about when it's not the person themselves who's, who's walked into your office, Talia? So we've all had this, uh, I'm sure all of us have had this, where like it's usually a wife or a mom brings someone else in. So what, do you, what, what are your feelings when uh, you have that meet and greet or the first, first visit, Talia, with someone who comes in that's been sent to you? Mm-hmm. So from some experience, I get a little bit of a, oh. um, especially when the person reaching out the family member, the loved one is very stressed and anxious themselves. I want to actually start saying in a gentle jujitsu kind of way um, that they should see me instead first, you know, and mm -hmm. so there's something I, there's a wording thing I think I want to feel good about, but, um, but I often feel I sometimes we'll take those cases. And so I'll express my, my hesitation, you know, that, that this is, yeah, we need involvement. We need engagement from the person. And if you're the one reaching out, it, it, it just makes me question if that involvement engagement's there from that person. Um, and oftentimes I say yes anyways, uh, because you want to help and you want to help the family. But I often find myself working more with the parents or more with the, um, or more with the loved one. And the, and even if I am seeing the patient primarily in the visit and I don't mind seeing both, I like seeing families together. I, I don't mind at all, especially for mental health. I think if, if it's a kid coming in with their parent, it's good to have everybody. It's good to have a couple. And I, I like mm -hmm. as long as the patient's consenting. Great. Um, especially if the, person who brought them in is doing all the cooking. That's helpful. <laughs> but I sometimes feel like I'm working with the pa with the pa with the parent about the patient or when I'm seeing the patient that that person's not fully engaged. Even even to the point where it's hard to take a case properly because I don't fully understand the problem from the point of view of the patient. So you know, I want to help. I don't feel like we're really moving it, I, I feel like oftentimes the the key mover is the actual patient. What I have actually started to do is recommend um, some books on polyvagal theory. Uh, so th I'm talking about like patients with anxiety, usually behavioral, emotional, mental, emotional. Um, is that, that's normally what you're seeing, right? This is, yeah, usually it's a, like pretty like in mental health, like pretty um, strong symptoms of like ADD or anxiety. It's usually a lot of anxiety. So I actually recommend the patients or the parents read Deb Dana's book, which is like uh, helping create safety and connection for your clients. Um, and I'm like, is this from the lens of 
to be safe and social, we actually require others to help us attune. So how about you learn how to attune? That's all, you know, and that might help your um, son or daughter when they're having mm-hmm. a panic attack, you know, because I, I don't get a sense of the panic attack when I'm talking to the patient, the patient's not even talking about it. So yeah, that's a very specific case I'm thinking of. But yeah, when when a parent or a family member brings in their patient, I have a hard time. Mm-hmm. It's it, it relates to some of the stuff we've already talked about today, which is like getting it to mean something to them. It's less, mm, it's less apparent often when that happens. Yeah. I have a little meet and greet with people that I, I have a 15 minute talk to, to see if we're a good match first. <laughs> so sometimes um, I just, I just don't know if I'm the one for them and give them some encouragement in whatever they're doing. But yeah, that's an interesting perspective on the environment or the other people around the person being sent being maybe the, not the issue, but it's a dynamic, right? It's, it's a Mm -hmm. dynamic. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Verna? When you got that guy coming in, who's been sent or the lawyers, you were talking about the the lawyers who get sent. You've talked about that before, but like, you know, when people getting sent by their loved ones. Mm -hmm. Um, I say that one sentence and then I, I don't continue on it unless they have something to offer. Say, so let's just talk about your optimal health, what that would look like to you and uh, what isn't where you want it yet. And, you know, forward thinking, say they're 45 and older. I said, so when you're a grandparent, what kind of shape do you want to be in to enjoy your grandchildren? And, you know, I, I do that kind of pick, pick a goal mm-hmm. because um, most grandparents really enjoy being grandparents because they can give the kids back basically, you know, kind of thing. And um, I, I have even done with um, uh, someone who was sent by the, 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 their child grown child who was in the healthcare business sent to me and didn't know why he was there. And blah, blah, blah. I said, so, um, he said, I'm doing this and doing this and doing this. And I have four stage cancer. I said, so I asked him if he had a death plan. It definitely got his attention. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, what's that going to look like? This and this is happening in your life. Happened to know a lot about his life. He, uh, he said, well, what would you suggest? So I laid out a whole, I just kept writing. I wrote for him. And so that he didn't uh, try and be the hero because he was kind of the hero kind of person. Um, so I just try and find a way and, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and, and it could be that they see me four times a year and they discover, and I say, I really think that you benefit from massage therapy. So let's say, uh, and this is the kind of person that I think you would like, and this is who they are. And, uh, or, and I often say, does it matter the gender of the massage therapist? And you get all kinds of very varied answers. And so I said, okay, and it needs to be near your house or like whatever it is. I just make it work. Mm-hmm. And then when they need something else, it could be your urologist or prostate's not happy. And I, they phone me, do you have a name? I said, I do. But, you know, there's some things that I can help you with with that. So it won't be as um, severe. Mm-hmm. So so I, I uh, talk about the elephant in the room and then I go on and say, like, where do you want to go? What do you want to have? And I'm, and uh, people don't realize that they can feel healthier. So I said, and what about this idea? Like, um, what about, um, you know, sleeping all through the night? That's pretty appealing to a lot of people and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. So I also, um, I work with newborns, children up to whatever legal ages, 18. And um, um, teenagers uh, don't like talking to me. They want to sit in the furthest corner. And I talk to the parents and then I'll go, well, what do you think? I'll look, I'll look at them kind of in a casual way. I don't stare at them. I, the whole eye contact thing is really, really important. And children of different ages, it's really, really important. Don't stare at them uh, because then, you know, it's too much energy, too much attention they don't want to have. and um, I even have teddy bears that have little hands and toes and things on them. And I say, let's, let's work on the teddy bear first. And I put the stethoscope on. I go, do you want to listen? These are the toddlers, the children that just say, no, 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 no. You know, 
So I find, I usually find a way and I only have that through doing it and doing it and doing it. Mm -hmm. and doing it. Mm -hmm. But I try and figure out how to make them feel uh, comfortable and they help me count their own toes. They're just learning to count or, or, you know, just trying to think like a teenager. I was a pretty grumpy wild teenager myself. So, <laughs> you know, that helps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that helpful though? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's funny. We, we, it wasn't really by design, but you know, if I just sort of recap a lot of what we talked about, um, we were talking about empowerment at the beginning and one of the ways to do that from what we've talked about, we all have it kind of in our own ways that we, we find a way in as best as you can. Um, and you kind of make it meaningful to some degree to the person you have to, you have to attune like, uh, Talia was talking about, or I just generally called it connect. You have to connect. And, uh, and I think that connection is kind of where you have to start, um, whatever it takes to get there, whether it's the teddy bear or whether it's just listening, uh, you know, that kind of active listening. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. These are I'm all, sorry. sorry. yeah, these are all uh, things that will then help you uh, maintain faith in the, in the process. And cause it, cause like it, it sometimes doesn't happen overnight. All this uh, healing to make whole doesn't happen overnight. So it, all these things contribute then I think to maintaining momentum and having the, uh, the faith of, of patience, <clears throat> uh, which is an honor, but it's, it's built on those things that we talked about, the connection, attunement, empowerment, and meaning. So that's my sort of summary of, of the various directions we went. Talia, do you want to, do you want to drop anything on Verna, any questions or <laughs> anything before we, we say uh, goodbye for today? any door any doorknob uh, yeah drops yeah well i want to know what verna was going to say before okay. yeah. i tell people my own journey some of it you know when i was 18 i contracted mono first year of university living on university food and i had it for three years and i know what tired looks like and i tell i can see somebody at 50 feet and i go they've got mono that's how much i know about mono i mm -hmm. have it from a feeling level and I have my other health issues and I don't necessarily talk about it in a, on a totally disclosed way, but you know, people say something to me and, and I've had various broken bones. I'll go and I have a plate in my arm. I say, you see this scar? I know what this pain is, you know, and it's, it's, you know, it takes at least six weeks or 42 days and they go, and then they do the math. That's the same thing. I said, yes, exactly. In the human body, it takes 42 days to heal a broken bone. You can't fight it. You cannot hurry it up. You cannot take the cast off. Don't be a fool. Keep the cast off. Because people say, oh, I'm going to push through this. I go, well, you're not. You're not. It's genetics. It's just how we're made. Mm -hmm. You know, so so I really encourage them to know that uh, nobody's perfect. So don't be put me on any pedestals because I'll just fall down real hard, mm -hmm. you know. And um, I'm here to help. I'm here to help you. And um, I like puzzles. And you're you're my next puzzle, you know. So yes, mixing in a little bit of uh, real human vulnerability seems to be part of the connection too. Mm -hmm. So I think we'll leave it at that then, uh, Docs. I think uh, we'll we'll close it down. It's been about an hour. Great conversation with you, uh, Talia, and again, uh, Dr. Verna. So thank you both for joining me. Uh, and we will catch you again next week at an, with another podcast episode at That Naturopathic Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. Thank you, Talia. Thank you. Thanks, Verna. Thanks, Dave.